Hey, it's Guy B from Vital MX. Welcome to the 11th episode of The Inside Line, presented by Thor. This week's guest is Tony Alessi. Tony has always been a polarizing figure in the sport, ever since many days with his sons, Mike and Jeff. These days, however, as team manager for the Smart Top Moto Concepts Racing Team, he sees things in a completely different way. It's more about business, and there's less family emotion to make things crazy. He's also promoting mini-cross events and helping bring along a next generation of up-and-coming racers. Listen in to hear about all of that, plus what he feels is the biggest mistake he made back in the day. Before we dive in, we've got to thank a couple of brands that help support the show. As we mentioned before, the Inside Line is presented by Thor. Since 1968, Thor MX has been supporting some of the world's most elite racers, including 2018 250 Pro Motocross Champion Aaron Plessinger. Head to ThorMX.com to see the racewear that Aaron and the rest of the Star Racing Yamaha team trust day in and day out. Also, we have to thank Chaparral Motorsports, who have been helping riders outfit their dirt bikes with parts, accessories, and tires for more than 30 years. Today, Moto offers professional advice online and in-store, helping you find the best riding gear and equipment for all your power sports vehicles. Visit ChapMoto.com today. That's C-H-A-P-Moto.com. We recorded this in the front seat of the Vital MX truck out at Fox Raceway at Paula. Hey, a couple years ago, you mentioned to me in a conversation, I just need to get through two more years with Mike, and then I'm kind of done. But you, you've got a whole new role and kind of shepherding a whole new set of guys through racing now. Well, um, over the last couple of years, I mean, obviously, Mike was, you know, winding down in Supercross. But at the same time, I had guys that were winding up in Supercross. We kind of applied our same concept to those to those riders and all of a sudden we were getting results and success and so uh um yeah here we are today with you know a, a, an elite team for 2019 supercross season was the the current role something you ever envisioned for yourself to be honest with you in 2012 when i started to do this uh, whole program um with mike genova smart top honda and Mike Lessie, the whole idea behind the whole thing was to help Mike win a championship without being on a factory team. That was kind of the, the idea, you know. And um, so obviously that, you know, was it, it never occurred to me, honestly, in those early years that I was going to end up managing riders like Malcolm Stewart, Justin Brayton, Vince Freeze, and the list is long, you know, um, into good results and successful, you know, successful seasons. So, no, I, I never envisioned that in the beginning. It was just strictly help Michael Essie win. I remember uh, early on when you went racing with Jeff and Mike, that looked like a pretty amazing time. I mean, you guys were just on the road, and was there a plan all along, or were you kind of making it up as you went along? Oh, no. No, there was definitely a plan from the get-go. Um, in the early years, I mean, and this was probably a... F- a mistake on my part somewhat because we put so much emphasis on winning Loretta Lynn's and winning motocross that that's what we focused on. We drove to every single national track in the years before Mike turned pro to not only learn the tracks, to get accustomed to the cities, to be accustomed to the, to the dirt and the bike settings that were needed at those places. Um, we've spent a lot of hours and days and months and years driving around preparing for outdoor nationals, which Mike was successful. I mean, four times he was, you know, a second 
you know, whatever you want to call it, a vice champion in motocross, which is, which is great. I mean, he won a lot of races and got a lot of podiums, but we, we neglected supercross and that was a critical, critical mistake. You know, um, I, we were 95% vested in motocross and 5% in supercross. And when it came time to go ride and train and practice supercross, we were so far behind. And honestly, it, it, uh, it damaged his career, you know what I'm saying? Because it damaged his confidence, it damaged his, you know, his whole psyche, you know? Uh, so yeah, the plan was to be motocross champion and to be the winningest rider at Loretta's, which we accomplished Loretta's and we came close four times in motocross. Do you think the, you know, the futures program that they have now, you know, that kind of did the road to supercross and arena cross, is that a useful thing for for trying to get guys up to speed you know you want to show a level of proficiency before you get out there i honestly wish that existed uh when we were racing the supercross futures is i mean to me the best thing that's ever happened to the sport um the reasons for that are number one kids now have an opportunity to race inside of a stadium on supercross obstacles and they're going to learn quickly that it's a very important, if not the most significant part of the sport, which is again a, a faction I overlooked, but because I didn't, I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I didn't know, and uh, obviously, what I know now, these kids are blessed to have that opportunity to race Supercross Futures, and it's even my understanding that the All Stars are going to race at eight rounds inside of the stadium on Pro Night, which would be phenomenal. That means these guys and these kids are going to race in front of 70,000 people, you know, on a real supercross track. I think that that's outstanding. That sounds like something that hasn't been announced yet. Mm. I don't know. I, <laughs> I it may or may not have. Yeah. I I'm not sure, but I'm aware of that possibility. Is that a good way to say it? Gotcha. Yeah. You know, with with Jeff and Mike's careers, if you could do it all over again, you know, you mentioned the not factoring in supercross as much. Everything you learned along the way, is there anything you would change or you've, you've felt like needed changing? Well, if I had to go back, I mean, obviously all of the, I hate to use the word insignificant um, amateur nationals, I would erase those from our schedule. I would have spent that 3000 or 4000 that you go to those races and I would have invested it in a supercross track and the right uh, material to do the track right, meaning the right dirt, the right equipment. And I would have spent, you know, 60 or 50% of the time doing anything linked to Supercross. And um, that would be my biggest thing that I would do differently. Would you have changed up the kind of the profile you guys came in with or, you know, try and keep a little more low profile or not? Well, I hear you about the profile, but you have to, it's, it's difficult because in those days, I mean, you were taking a Mike Alessi who won every single race that he raced in amateur, you know? I mean, every time he lined up for an outdoor or an AMA, Loretta Lynn or, a, or any kind of a amateur national, he won those races. So that, and then obviously it didn't help things going and beating Ryan Hughes at the four stroke national in the year that he was going to turn pro and Jeremy McGrath in Salinas at a supercross. So that hype just kind of built into what it was and then it was amplified when Kenny Watson decided that it was a great idea to put a bullseye on a shirt which then 
the guys at DMX Radio thought, oh, that's cool. Let's do that. And so that just popped the cork on the on on the whole thing, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that that's what that was what that was about. I still have one of those brand new T-shirts. It might still be in the bag. Believe the hype with the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What did you learn from dealing with Jeff and Mike that you bring to? working with your current guys and do you have to treat them differently than you do with family yeah with family there's emotion in it you know and that's destructive to be honest with you and with pro riders that are not family it's it's black and white it's business it's black and white i mean yeah there is going to be emotion in there because you want to win you have the passion to win so that always is there but you're not dealing with their girlfriend problems or their problems at in the neighborhood or whatever you know what i'm saying or their injuries you're not you're not there sitting in the hospital room with them for you know 16 days you know you're not you're not doing that and so um it it changes the way that you approach it you approach it very um black and white and very businesslike how hard is it to make the transition from being a parent you know to where they're grown and you become more of a spectator well, I mean, uh, well, it's hard, you know, because, and I, I think there'll be a lot of parents in the current group that are coming up. I mean, obviously, um, I spend a lot of time also with amateurs because I have an amateur SX series. And um, I can see so many of them that were me, you know what I'm saying? And I, I understand their thinking, you know, because they have a lot of time invested. They're at the track with the kids every day. They're there, obviously, nursing with the injuries when they happen. And it's just like you're you're so all in. It's so hard to let that go. Um, but at the pro level, um, it's it is critical. Um, the reason it's critical at the pro level, learning this on my side now from being a team manager, is um, it it creates a distraction and a disfocus within the team. You have to um, be able to run your black and white program you know what I'm saying without interference and so uh that's the main thing that I would say that I've learned from that whole thing you know I mean it, and it's hard trust me I know it's hard to do because you you know what tire pressure your kid likes and you know <laughs> you know what shock setting he likes and you know what parts of the track he's good in and not and so you want to be involved and you want to but the sooner that your team learns all that stuff the better it is without um, being, you know, influenced. Yep. Well, I mean, it's got to be hard to go from being your little kid to, you know, they're adults and, you know, they they change as people too. Well, you have to remember too, when they go to those, if they go to a factory team, I mean, it's very cut and dry there. It's black and white and and it's all at the factory level about winning the race. Everything else doesn't matter, you know, and they don't have emotional ties to the riders. They're not uh, empathetic about any of their situations. It's just like you're hired to win. Performing or not? Yeah, you're hired to win. And so obviously that's so hard on parents because they love their kids. You know what I'm saying? For the kids to be treated like a tool or a sprocket or a handlebar. A commodity. A commodity. Yeah. It's tough, you know. And so, again, that's it's it's another, you know, part of it that's that's difficult, you know. Yeah. So we're out at Paula today. What what are you guys working on today? Um, today we're at Paula, and um, Recluse is here today. Um, we're working with some um, uh, 2019 clutch parts uh, for the new season. 
Uh, the recluse clutch is, is amazing in the Honda CRF450. I mean, honestly, I don't know how you can ride without it. You have to have that clutch, you know? Um, but they're working on some um, updated parts, so we're excited about what that could equal. What all do you have to work through between now and the, the beginning of the season? Well, the next step is Justin Brayton, who hopefully tonight or tomorrow night wins the Australian Supercross Championship. Um, and then he'll get here. I would like to get him testing on the 19 as soon as possible. Um, obviously, we made some good strides already um, with the bike, so we're excited for him to get on the bike. So that's key and number one importance. With Malcolm, we're working on his fitness to improve his level of endurance, strength. Um, and so that's coming good. He has a great trainer. Uh, and uh, I feel really good about it. Garrett Swampole has done amazing work in a short amount of time. And then, uh, obviously, with Vince, it's a lot mental, you know, so we're working with that, you know. We're, we're helping work his mind stronger, and I can see that his results are already improving. Getting Malcolm to the beginning of the season rather than two or three races in and, and then he gets going, that, that's a big step. Yeah, right, right now, Malcolm's been riding four days a week since the early part of September. He had a good race in Montreal where he went out and won his first supercross of the year an international supercross he won all three motos um he backed that up with the top five at monster cup and now he's getting ready to go to paris next week and uh actually he's going to barcelona to spain Mm -hmm. the rest of the guys are going to paris and they got a couple more overseas races but i expect to see really good results from malcolm for 2019 well does that mean we finally have the deal wrapped up now well, I mean, it's not officially wrapped up. Um, there's three sponsors that we're working on. One is an energy drink sponsor. Uh, one is a uh, manufacturer of, of uh, let's see, it would be uh, valves and springs. And um, there's one other sponsor that's a uh, like a medical treatment company. If any one of those three comes through, which I believe it has to, he's good to go. Okay. Well, good to, good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> How much help are you guys getting from the guys at Honda these days? Honda is terrific. They always are providing us with all the technical assistance that we need. I think they might be a little bit. I mean, I think we might have gone a little over our parts budget, um, but they're cool with it. And um, in terms of, like, um, the bikes are great. And, I mean, this, you know, there are HRC parts that we have a privilege to get to use. Access to. Access to, and that mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. And so all of that above, I would give them a 10-plus rating. Okay. for what they're doing for us. Awesome. How do you guys come up with the package for your riders? Obviously, you've you know, you got some better support these days. Winning races is the goal, but occasionally it looks like you take a slightly different path to uh, parts and pieces. You know, in the past we've seen use different model year bikes or you know, Justin went away from the 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 e-start last year, but then we saw Kenny kind of do the same thing during late part of the outdoors. Well, the one positive of not being a factory team, you know, in other words, there's a manufacturer's team, you know what I'm saying? And then there's a support team, which is what we are. So we're an American Honda support team, which means that we're not governed by regulations when it comes to you must run A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So we can tailor fit the bike to the rider. You know what I'm saying? If the rider says, I would really like to try my bike without this. And if he picks that part... He gets the ride without that part. If he wants to try XXX part and he picks it, he runs it. We're not obligated to um, a strict, rigid guideline. Mm-hmm. Is there some freedom in that? 
huge freedom. Yeah. There's huge freedom in that. And uh, it makes a difference because the end of the day, these guys are all good, right? They're all fit. They all know what to do. The only difference is right here up in their head and in their heart. And if they're feeling good about things, they perform better. And those things make them feel better mm-hmm. when they know that they can get what they want, not they have to run with this. Stuck with something. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty busy off-season schedule. How much or how challenging does that make things for you guys? Um, are you shipping equipment all over or is it parts and pieces on you know, sort of loner bikes for the weekends. Well, to be honest, a hundred percent, I, I'm not a big fan of the overseas races. Um, but at the same time, I have to understand that this is the rider's opportunity to supplement their income. And so I, we have to do it, you know what I'm saying? And so it means a great amount of risk, um, for us. And obviously in a lot of ways, not only the risk that we could lose a rider, which is was something that we don't want to do, but also all of the material that goes overseas is subject to being held in customs, to being lost. And we're talking about very expensive suspension components, triple clamps, foot pegs, handlebars, grips, you know, um, flywheels and heads and cams. And the list is long. Stuff that's going to set you back if yeah, you don't if, have access to it for a while. If we lose it, you know. And so it's, uh, yeah, that's the, the biggest part that... Heartburn for you. <laughs> yeah, the biggest heartburn. There you go. You guys scored a, a win with Justin Brayton at Daytona last year. How huge was that for you, the team and for him? Well, I think for the most part, I mean, Justin, I mean, he's raced a lot of years and a lot of supercrosses, and he's an amazing supercross rider. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, he should have won before. He's good enough to win, you know? Yeah, there were, there were some heat races in there, and definitely good enough he's the caliber of a rider that can win a supercross race and he want obviously that justified his 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 situation because he's good enough to win and now he got to say i knew i was good enough to win and now i've won you know and so that's a big plus for him in terms of the team we've known for three years that we had a good enough program to win races um and it was just a matter of in my opinion it was just a matter of time before it came that was pretty much the feel-good story of the year though it was great. I mean, you take the oldest rider in the field and a rider that's never won a Supercross race or a team or a team manager or his mechanic, Tony Berluti, who's been in the sport for who knows how many years, and everybody got their their validation, I guess is the word, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember watching you in the team manager's tower during that race, Ooh. and he, <laughs> the tension was obvious, but uh, it looked somewhere between excitement and I was wondering if you were going to throw up up there. <laughs> well, it was pretty tough. You know, there was one lap within, I don't know, the last three laps of the race where Justin lost two and a half seconds. And, oh, I was like, oh, no, we didn't come this far to give it up, you know? And uh, that was a high level of anxiety for those 60 seconds. But Justin picked up the lap time, matched Eli's for the next two laps, won the race. Terrific. Yep. The one thing that was a bummer about that for me was... Uh, Genova goes to almost every week, and that was one that he actually missed. Yeah, he didn't go to Daytona because we really weren't expecting results at Daytona. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, Brayton is a 100% Supercross guy. He's not a moto guy. And Daytona has a lot of replication of motocross. So, I mean, honestly, we went there and was like, man, I hope we can, you know, get some top tens today. Decent weekend. Yeah, yeah I just want to get in here and just, you know, salvage what we can. But... 
honestly, the day started out awesome. He was in, you know, the right frame of mind. He was fast in qualifying. He won his heat race. I mean, it was, it was going that way. Yep. Hey, um, you know, we mentioned Malcolm and uh, Justin, but Vince is also back with you guys, and it seems like he's almost a permanent part of the team. Well, I mean, Vince is. Um, here's the thing with Vince. I mean, we, obviously, we have a lot of time invested in Vince. And it just wouldn't make sense at this point for us to say, look, we've put all this time and energy and hand them over to another team. Just doesn't make any sense. Um, And we are of the mindset that, you know, all of this effort that we've put in over the years is going to come to fruition at some point, you know, and it might be this year. I mean, obviously, you saw at Monster Cup that he was challenging for second place for 75 percent of the, the final final main event which is terrific. And he beat Malcolm actually in that race. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, it, that tells me the writings on the wall that it's, it's getting close. Yeah. Well, he seems to catch some heat from other riders and fans, but sometimes maybe not as much credit as he deserves. He's actually a really nice guy, um, off the track. Um, everybody, everybody that is, has had any time in with Vince will tell you that he's, he's awesome. He's an awesome guy. I mean, in the race, he, he gets into it, you know, and he's going to try to do the best he can. And he's a fighter, you know, and so that sometimes maybe unravels some of the other riders a little bit because, hey, I'm a factory rider. This guy's not supposed to be in front of me. You know what I'm saying? And he's not as good as me. But the thing is, is that Vince is in front of them for a reason because he starts better than them and he's got fast corner speed and he's got a lot of fight in the dog, you know? And so the reality is he does belong there. That's cool. You know, the relationship with Mike Genova has developed over a while. What do you like about working with him? Well, the best part of working with Mike Genova is obviously is he lets me handle my part of the team, which is the riders, the testing, the parts, the flow of parts. And he has his part, which I don't interfere with, which he's in charge of the look of the team. He's in charge of the finance of the team. And so we have a great working relationship in that respect. You know, I do my part. He does his part. And, you know, we come together and have a great package. And you guys seem to have each other's back all the time, too. I mean, I he, for sure, he all, we always um, are looking out for each other's best interest. Yeah. I think back in the day, you used to be a little suspicious of the press. Are you a little more comfortable with it now? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the past it was tough because we were always under so much scrutiny, you know, because, and I mean, a lot of it was self-inflicted. I'm not saying it wasn't, you know. Obviously, in these days, it's, you know, we're dealing with a professional team with professional riders, and, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's like everything else. It's very black and white and cut and dry. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not nervous of press at all. Well, I remember back in the day, I used to walk under the, the awning and you'd be like, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> well, if you remember one time, because I was skeptical, Steve Mathis, and I like the guy a lot, you know, from Pulp, he, um, he came up to Canada and I was so in my mind thinking this guy's coming here to just tear us up, you know what I'm saying? And so he wanted to do an interview with, uh, I think it was either Mike or Vince, we were up in Canada racing the 2014 um, CMRC Nationals. And um, I actually <laughs> I actually made a, 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 a kind of a format and a list of 
I needed to know these things before we could come in there. Like, what were the questions? And, you know, all the way down the list. And I even think I might have had something in there where I don't want you writing anything bad about the guys, you know. And so, I mean, obviously now that that, that was, you know, five years ago, whatever it was. It, and it's a whole different mindset now. Yeah. It's a whole different mindset. <laughs> Good. These days you're not just a race parent or team manager, but you're also a race promoter. Um, how did that come about? Actually, that that's really interesting that you, you bring that up. Um, Tony Berluti and I were um, driving to a test date, a milestone, and somehow, some way, we got onto mini bike stuff, and and there's no program for the kids to learn to ride Supercross and all of this, and and I was like, man, I could do that. I could do that as good or better than anybody. And he put me to the test and said, <laughs> let's see you do it. And so I said, okay, fine, I will. And um, so I put a program together. Um, initially with Milestone in the summer, and I called it at the time Minicross. It wasn't, but what it really was, was Amateur Supercross, or Amateur SX, however mm-hmm. you want to call it. And um, and I found that the kids, at first, were scared, and they were slow, but in a month's time, I was looking at little pros riding Supercross. And so I was like, this is the right thing, you know? This is great. And so I expanded on that a little bit for... Um, the fall and I, I I did a warm up round before Monster Cup and I had every elite mini rider and amateur all star in the country that were there. It was terrific. And they used that platform to prepare for the Monster Cup. And all of our guys did good there, you know, that, that came to our race. So then we started our series, uh, and we did three rounds at Milestone on a brand new track in the back where the Geico Supercross track used to be. We tore it down and put our own track in there. And we built another new track at Glen Helen in the stadium cross area. Mm-hmm. And um, so we um, we did three rounds at Milestone. And we're doing three rounds at Glen Helen. And it's a perfect preparation for the Supercross futures. Because we have a, a round in Anaheim. we have, And that's in January. We have a round in Phoenix. And we have a round in Oakland. And so this platform that we have for the kids right now is perfect preparation to get comfortable with riding supercross before they have to go do it at what i would consider the national level you know i think the supercross futures is a national program i think it's going to become the most important amateur aspect of racing in the future what level of track do you build for these guys you know it's some of the supercross amateur races i've seen they knock down quite a bit of the track are you at that level, or do you build them something kind of in between a Saturday night show and the Sunday race? Yeah, so our the tracks that we build for AME, that's the name of the company, it's AME Amateur SX. The tracks that we build for that are um, a track that's three levels to four levels below a pro supercross track. It's set up so that 65s and 50s and 80s can ride the track and jump the jumps safely, hit the whoops safely. And like I said, I mean, in the summer, we, we experienced no injuries whatsoever, you know, throughout that whole summer series. So obviously we got it right. And, um, everyone that we've talked to said, please keep doing this. Like I was almost sitting thinking, okay, that was good enough. I did my, my good deed, you know? Um, but they all want it, you know? And so I'm sticking with it. Continuation. Continuation. Yeah. What do you get out of doing the races like that? Well, what I get out of the races is kind of like a two-part thing. One, 
Um, obviously Jeff Alessi doesn't, you know, he teaches kids and does whatever motocross schools and such. And so I get to have Jeff work with me, which is good because I don't really see him that often. So I get to see him at the rate, you know, at, at our races and he's a big part of our race. He does a good job. And obviously at some point down the road, if this becomes really good, I'd like him to take it over, to be honest with you at some point. Um, so it gives us an opportunity to work together, which is great. Um, but for the, for the main reason is that it, it's um, kind of like I'm, I'm giving that opportunity and education and awareness to the young riders that Supercross is very important because it was a mistake that I made. And I don't want to see kids like Wyatt Thurman, for example, or Kalana Humphrey. These are great, great mini bike riders that are coming up that are little kids. You know, I don't want to see them make the same mistake that I did. I want to show them, Hey, look, you need this and you've got it. Here's the platform. We're giving it to you. Use it to the best of your ability. And, and you'll carry that to, to pro racing one day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're hanging out with Jeff more. There's times when it sounded like things were a little rough between you guys. Well, Jeff is a guy that beats to his own drum. You know, he's going to do it his way. And like, I don't agree with a lot of the ways that he wants to do things, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like I know the the right structure to be a successful racer and a champion and and for him, you know, growing up, it was, you know, I can't I can't work that hard and I can't live that level of a what he used to call a boring lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He has to be he had to be a guy that was having fun and doing stuff and clowning around and and, and like, I didn't agree with it. You know what I'm saying? So we clashed because I told him, I said, this is, this is the wrong path that you're going to try to take, you know, but it didn't matter. He was going to do it his way. So in the end, uh, it is what it is, you know? Yep. you got a young daughter now. Actually, I actually have two young daughters. Okay. Now, and I have another one on the way. Oh, wow. So I have, I'll, I'll, uh, come April, I'll have three small girls. I'll have a nearly three-year-old, a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old and a brand-new one. Is this revenge for the two boys it, before? It, it has to be. <laughs> it a one hundred percent has to be. <laughs> the universe coming to get me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we see any of them race in the future? Or I would think not. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I think is a possible. I think it's possible that they could be, um, you know, like a PW fifty rider if that class even still is alive. You know, five years from now. I don't know if it's going to get taken over by electric. Yeah, it or might what. be electric. Yeah. It might be electric. But if there's a PW class at Loretta Lens, I think they can race that. You know, I and if that's obviously if that's what they want to do. But I can't see any future in it. You know, after that, um, I think they're they're better off. You know, finding their niche that they like to do and going with it. Mm-hmm. What do people not get about you? Well, I think the first thing is is that. And this is something that's been kind of perplexing over the years. I mean, even with, I mean, I like Steve Mathis and we're buddies. And I, and all those years when he was on our case, you know what I'm saying? I asked him over and over again, can you just come out and spend time with us? Then you'll know who we are. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people have that mindset where they don't. They just have a, um, a square picture in front of them and this is what they heard and that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? And that could be painted a lot of different ways from the media to, you know, a rider that you beat and he's frustrated by it. I mean, there's a lot of things that could lead to that. Um, so for me, uh, I think if, 
they all got a chance to come and spend time with us. And like now, I mean, for example, Mathis spends a lot of time with us. We went up and did a studio show with him, you know. And so we're all on the same, you know, wavelength. We know who we are, you know. And I think that's really what it is. You Before you take a position against somebody, I think that you really need to spend some time and form your own opinion, not an opinion that's been put out there that you're brainwashed with. Based on images or photos or... Based on whatever you want to call the read, circumstance. Yeah, something you read. Yeah. yeah. How hard is it when you've got injuries to, to bring guys back to the race or, you know, when do you want them to come back? I, you know, I, I remember back when Mike was uh, still doing the Nationals, the one that was made me kind of really uncomfortable was the time, you know, I know he was near the points lead, um, oh. you know, and racing with that knee injury and very limited recovery time. Well, now we're back into the threshold of parent racing and pro professional manager racing. Um, obviously, we worked our whole life to be a champion in motocross. And so in that particular year, which was 2009, Mike won Glen Helen. He won the next round at Hangtown. And he won by a convincing margin um, over Chad Reed, who eventually went, over, went on to win the championship at Freestone in Texas. So at that point, after round three, he had a 50-point lead already in the championship. Then we had the incident at High Point doing a media day for uh, Racer X and um, had the knee injury. It was a shattered kneecap, which is something that's not terrible. You know what I'm saying? And so we were like, we looked at it and said, we can still pull this off. There's enough races that are, you know, um, where there's, you know, breaks in there, where if we can just get out there and just get a top 10, then it gives us another two weeks to recover to be at the next race where, and we could still maintain the points lead. But again, when you're in that situation and, and it's something that you've been working on your whole life, you're all in, you've got to find a way to, to make it happen. Um, obviously it, it, uh, it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. I mean, it was starting out good because he ended up qualifying top 10 there at, uh, Colorado and he was in the top five in the first moto, which was right where we needed to be. But obviously another rider didn't like the idea of that whole comeback and didn't want it to happen and made sure it didn't. And so, um, you know, Mike got taken out in that race and his knee was rebroken, which was the least of the problems, you know, because the bigger problems came because he got a, a serious infection and it mm. basically destroyed him for a year, you know? And so that was tough. But again, like on the side of a team manager's, I mean, thing, um, we clearly don't want riders racing if they're injured. Um, the reason for that mostly is because that means if they have any level of an injury that's higher than call it a seven on a one to 10, they're favoring that part of their body, which means very basically that they are going to crash again yeah, because not riding naturally yeah their reaction is going to be different the way that they're on the bike is different it's going to lead to another crash and we're going to have a worse problem mm -hmm. so from the team manager standpoint we want the riders to recover to 100 percent and then come back and race yeah. how have you changed over time well i mean i've said before that i mean like you said when you're all in it like you're all in meaning you know that's your job that's your that's what you do every day from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to sleep you're so i guess involved or whatever it is and you know what you're expecting every single person around you to have that level of of input whether it's a mechanic 
a driver, a girlfriend of the rider, you're, 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 the expectation is that you're going to do the same thing. And if you're not, why aren't you, you know? And it, it, it's crazy, really what it is, but mm-hmm. it's because you get so wrapped up into it, you know what I'm saying? And so when that isn't happening, when the level around you is lower than the level that you're putting in, it becomes close to insanity, to be honest with you. So, but nowadays it's not like that. I mean, um, like I said, I, I work a set schedule. I have, um, home life with my daughters and my wife and I didn't have any of that. You know, it was, you know, every day, sun up to sundown, you know, and it's stressful and you're, you're all in. And, and if, like I said, if, if people around you are not all in, then for me, it was like, I had no, uh, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Typically I'd like to make these a little longer. We've blown through all the questions. So, um, I appreciate the time and let's get back to testing. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for the podcast. I appreciate it. All right. That's it for episode 11 of the inside line presented by Thor. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Tony. This one was fun because he was extremely candid. Once again, thanks to our sponsors. Remember, for over 50 years, Thor MX has been at the forefront of motocross racewear innovation with products that are purpose-built to help riders perform at the highest level in one of the most demanding sports in the world. The 2019 collection, featuring the revolutionary Prime Pro racewear, is available now. Head to thormx.com to learn more. We also have to thank Chaparral Motorsports. For more than 30 years, Chaparral Motorsports has been sharing its love of dirt bikes with like-minded individuals by offering a massive selection of the latest riding gear, new models, parts and accessories, and great pricing on tires. Visit chapmoto.com. Ready for some more bench racing? Look for the next Inside Line soon. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also go back and check out previous shows. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a rating and review. Thanks.